Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back. This is a new episode of Chatting with Asta. I have been bringing together different people from just all walks of life that I love and know. And today I'm lucky to be joined by Heather Buckley. If you like this episode, please thumbs up and uh, comment, subscribe, share, and uh, I hope that you continue to be joining us. And welcome to the show, Heather. Hello there. Thank you for inviting me. Of course, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a series without Heather. You you Absolutely. provide such a unique voice, and you're such a champion for so many different causes, people, and ideas. So I'm so happy to have you on. Well, I think that we can't get anywhere in our lives without the idea of community. Yeah, and without the idea of friendship and supporting one another. I've always said that is that any sort of perceived success or stuff that I'm doing, it's just because people believed in me, people were there for me. Yeah. And even before I was a content creator, producer, things like that, that I am sort of made up of all the art and philosophy and writing and music that I found along the way to help shape myself. And the idea of leaving those things behind with my own work or finding voices that could sort of amount to this beautiful uh this beautiful pyramid of art to leave when we uh leave this world has always been important it's always been important to sort of be uh to live the life of as, as an artist yeah. and to support other artists yeah and and i think that that's something that i've really um gravitated towards in our friendship over the years that this idea that like invest in the people that you know um and there's a daisy chain that comes from that there's this idea of like the jumping off point and you've worked as like not only a producer on feature films like the ranger with former guest jen wexler but you've also produced a lot of like video documentary shorts so you're constantly examining like every aspect of production you know well, process has always been very interesting to me i started out my well, I started out my life as a fine artist, so I'm still a draftsman drawer. I used to draw with my my grandfather, and then I went to college for design, and the design that we learned was uh, Bauhaus, the, mo the modernism, So, and that's really focused on process. So I had to talk, you had to stand up in front of the class, and it's like, this is the design, this is how it works, and we were taught sort of like how to sort of wrap our minds around a problem. So it was sort of like creative problem solving. And I've always been fascinated in the process of making things. As someone who makes things, but also I like to hear how other people sort of configure their brain and their practice to produce these type of things, which is why I was very interested when I wrote for Dread Central and Fangoria to interview people, to yeah. get their story, to get their insight, but also... And I think all my work has to do with legacy. Yeah. Is that it's, you want to secure that story because of its incredible importance of talking about making things, making anything, but yeah. also leaving, like creating their legacy through their story and also all the other voices and all, almost I always talk about the little Heathers that need to hear this work that need yeah. to hear how the special effects in Slugs went down and The Thing and Deep Rising and talk to everyone who I think are the stars, which are always, to me, as a young kid, it's, it, was like the, it was like the below the line people. It was the yeah. VFX people, it was the special effects people. 
and um, and above above the line, just digging digging directors and digging visions, but also understanding that it takes everyone's talent and everyone's vision and an amalgamation to create these 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 great things. And film is like typifies that idea. Because when I was in uh, digital, the closest uh, version of that was a lot of the web stuff that we did because we had to move it through different verticals and di different disciplinaries, but we needed to keep the spirit, but we needed to keep, keep the creative fire, but also know what vertical and uh, which discipline the importance of the project. So when you move something creative, it's like, how do you talk to the creative team? How do you talk to the client? How do you talk to accounts? How do you talk to Q QA? How do you talk to tech? And sort of like appeal and understand and, and empathize and sympathize about their, their, their work ethic and what problems they're interested in solving and yeah. understanding it. Yeah, and how that all connects. Because I feel like something that I've noticed about you specifically is that somebody will like, like, in the past, I've talked to you about projects that I'm preparing to do, and I'll tell you like something like like the scene I wanted to shoot in an alleyway in the car, and that I wanted it to be raining. And like 20 minutes later, I see you just like sitting really quiet, and then you come up to me and you're like, "I'm going to send you a video on how to do that for five dollars." There's a hose. Like you're always you're always considering like how your knowledge can be um, used to help others, and I feel like that is very infectious because I feel like that's part of why I'm doing what I'm doing with this is this idea of like, how can I find a way to spread um, the knowledge of the people that I know and their experience as a resource to others. And I feel like that's what you, you're always doing. You're like, so-and-so needs one of these things. Uh, she's really good at that. And you refer people. And I think that that's, that the industry needs more of those people to realize that like, you can make the industry work by having this encyclopedia knowledge. And I feel like that's, am I right? That's kind of like, kind of your thing, no? I've, I've, I've done that in all my walks of life because I feel if I have it, I want to share it. Yeah. And yeah. my journalism is sharing it. We think about my doc work is sharing. Yeah. And if I find great artists, uh, uh, directors, writers, I want to share them with the world. Exactly. Like somehow it dawned upon others to share their work with me just by doing it. And you know, what would happen if I didn't listen to the Sex Pistols? Right? I needed them when I was 13. It was very important. Yeah, and I also love that you have this um, kind of personal mission of, of being the example to other people who want to identify like you. Like you, you carry like this really iconic look. You really understand iconography and like symbols and music and culture especially punk culture and how you kind of taken that baton of like I, I'm gonna make sure that you know other people little, little Heathers growing up know that they have an example and that's gonna be me you know I think that's well, a little yeah so the little Heathers of the world were of course like teased and bullied for liking punk rock and horror movies and trying to take away their fingers and gore zone and why are you writing about all this stuff and this is that's not what like little girls do and on and on and on but it, because of my defiance or maybe ignorance it's like I held on to everything that I loved because yeah. I didn't know that people were saying it's like were people were concerned about it because they didn't want me to hold on to it anymore. But I was like, no, I love these things. I love Jason Voorhees and zombies and Leatherface. I love punk rock. I want to look at this. Yeah, and and it's good. It's good that you fully embrace that because I feel like 
it it just it shows how in touch you are with your identity and how you're willing to like evolve it to all the new things that you love but sometimes it does take a bold force to be an example in other for in order for other people to break out of their shells and you know i can't wait to continue to find little heathers everywhere like just very just important when i when I would stand up at the Alamo Draft House in front of movies that are not necessarily, you would think are, are like little Heather movies, <laughs> like the Deer Hunter and Dirty Dozen, and they're 100% are to show that I, with my my Bihawk and my gear, yeah. this is all for mine. It's, it's to lay claim of culture that is usually, I mean, we're, we're talking about usually reserved for, it's like guy culture, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. you can't like Taxi Driver. You can't like Paul Schrader. Why are you watching Vietnam vet movies? And it's like, well, my father was a Vietnam vet and a construction worker and used to take me to horror movies all the time and take me to Keyport to buy my Fangorias and Gorezones and Toxic Cars and like get me like 80s prism stickers when you put the little quarters into the machine. So how is that not my culture? It's like, it's, it's everyone's culture. It's everyone's story. Yeah, and you're a big champion for Jersey culture. Always Jersey, yes. Jersey. Because it's an underdog state and someone has to love it a thousand times more. And I think a lot of folks feel that, like genre fans, like you have to love genre just that much more. I know we have prestige. I know, you know, um, like Parasite just won crazy awards, was in Cannes. But usually, you know, it's the terror visions of the world. It's the return of the living dead part three that I don't know if like main culture is really giving it enough love that they deserve, but that, that deserves all their love. Yeah. All their love as well. So you must carry the torch. So Jersey is the same way is that people look down at Jersey, New York city looks down at Jersey. Therefore Jersey must be loved a hundred percent more. And you could tell the actors and directors and everybody from New Jersey, any kind of news about like Danny DeVito or Brian De Palma. It's like from Jersey. Yeah. Recently, one of the film fest just had Joe Dante on. It's like, oh, Joe Dante from New Jersey. It's like <laughs> it's important to tell people that this is important. I think that's why on Facebook it says like horror evangelist. Because yeah. I used to do that back in the, with a day with punk rock. Is that people would tell me what like civilian music they listen to, and I would try to match what punk rock band would make sense. That and and funny story. You and I actually were neighbors and didn't even know till like years later. I used to live right next door to you. We had the same landlord in Jersey. Yeah. It's a good, yeah. it's a, he's a great landlord. Shout out to Ronald. Yeah. Like it, Jer Jersey, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I, I kind of feel like sometimes I hold the, the uh, torch for some people who are Texas expats, like people who like came from that, like, semi-outlaw type of mentality and like understand that it is its own country and its own ideas and its own food and it like its own country and its own yeah. food and so many different landscapes yeah i was thinking to someone about my love of texas chainsaw massacre or a lot of sort of like that that sort of cinema and they go that yeah. could possibly be south jersey yeah so, so jersey and texas i mean they should hang i mean the saws family right so Yes, sometimes they do. Sometimes I, I wind up in Austin at least twice yeah. a year. Yeah. And I always go to all the chainsaw locations. That is the reason I rent a car. It's like, you don't need, it's like, I need to rent a car. I need to go to the chainsaw two bridge. And then I bring people with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now that we're adjusting to like these weird circumstances, I know that you, did you get to participate at all this past weekend at uh, Chattanooga? 
Yes, yes, my, 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 my beloved Chattanooga. I think I've been there every year since it started. Yeah. And love Chris and then bringing on Josh from Cinepocalypse, who's such a close, beloved friend. It was so wonderful because part of my background in advertising was like a lot of social media campaigns and social media means sharing, right? So the idea that everyone online without direction would join together on each other's little Twitter chains to watch movies together and make times is so heartbreakingly beautiful to me. The type of community that they want to watch together, talk about movies and get and get together in this time, you know, that I'm not driving down to uh, to Tennessee to see it because of the great apocalypse and plague. But it's like, if we can't do that, we actually will always have each other. And also from like a a sort of like a marketing standpoint, it's like you can leverage universal voices because I'm very privileged to be able to go to film fest in person. Some people aren't able to, but I think the fest was 30 bucks and have the availability to, to people to see that great content, the great shorts and watch stuff together is so special because when I would go to even Fantasia, uh, which is not that far from us in Montreal, and I would talk about what films that I would see and I would post it on social media, people from all over the world that were like uh, social media friends with me would go like, I want to watch it. I want to talk about it with you. And it was always interested in that and sort of like a global distribution model as well to sort of like harness the whole voice. And it's because we all want to talk about rubber monster movies together. And part of like going to fancier places like Cannes, like the international markets, to see everyone all over the world that is holding that flame for genre and hanging together. It's like, this is everyone in the world that's like putting on film fest or almost like punk shows and mixtapes. A lot of times genre doesn't get to go into sort of the very super exclusive film fest. So like we have these fantastic fests and they're just like you and we're all like each other. And we're all obsessed with the same thing over and over again. And it's a party and it's fun and we can live Halloween like it's every single day because that's why I loved horror because it reminded me of my iconography. It reminded me of me. It reminded me of a Halloween imagery all the time. It, you know, scaring and catharsis is always fun, but it was that imagery that looks like someone who like, you know, wears bone earrings, shaves their head, chainsaw family for life. And also I loved any movie about family. So I'll bring up chainsaw Nightbreed, anything like that. We watch Hellraiser. Everybody in leather in their gear could possibly be like the Pyramid Club in New York City. People in their special outfits being spooky. It's very, very important to me. It's it's very important to me too. And I I was just like so I thought it was so awesome that they found a way to do because I know that a lot of film festivals have been trying to trying to pivot right now, and I feel like that was the first successful one I can think of right now. Well, genre is a special place to do that in because the audience will find you and wants you. And they're just just ravenous, wonderful gremlins, I think. Is that here's a horror film fest and everyone will descend upon it because that is who we are and what we do. So I think it's very successful that the genre, that this is the beginning of it. I hope we see more because, again, the community aspect for me I just this whole weekend, it was just filled with like little pumpkin rainbows and little sparkly bats. Yeah. It's like, look at everybody having fun. And it was just great having this conversation around the genre and around independent filmmaking and independent visions and people from all backgrounds. So it was just, it was just beautiful. Yeah. And I think there was like the Q and A's which were great. Cause that's just like, that's just like the film, the film content, but yeah, all that, the, the events, Guar, iced tea, 
uh, the panel on set safety. It was all important. And I also like that I had a friend, uh, one of my friends, uh, Elise, I have one of her movies on my, my slate. She was going like, oh, I'm working all weekend. And I said, no, but you could buy one day for $10 and then we can watch stuff together. Because that's my favorite thing outside of the plague is like I watch uh, movies with my writing partner, Ethan. So we, we go like, we're going to watch this movie and we do a countdown and we sync up and watch stuff over the phone. Not serious stuff that's a first time watch, but also the like little known Heather Buckley fact is my love of watching cooking shows. And then when like you feel a little, I need to pick me up. I like to put on the Christmas and Halloween baking championships. Oh, wow. Yeah. So get, but you can say it's a, it's it's like Buckley. That's all about like watching people make stuff. Yeah. And is it what you do all day long? It's like, isn't this the theme of your life? It's like documenting people making stuff, talking about people make stuff, helping people making stuff, you're making stuff. Yeah. It's this constant cycle of creation that I'm endlessly fascinated in and participating in. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm married to someone who's constantly baking and building. He actually built an entire like ladder chandelier like above my head that, I wasn't, I have no idea how it works, but he's like Harrison Ford, a carpenter, just building, building, building. And he's constantly baking. And it's just really fascinating. Yeah, just love watching people create things. And I was doing some um, watch alongs of just like Friday the 13th movies with like Ted and Frank, because like, we've seen it, but it's just, I don't know, it feels good to just watch these things again. And you never know how things are going to hit you at different points in your life. And like, I got to watch um, uh, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre with a friend for the first time a couple of years ago. And like to see her be so like, <gasps> like it was just, it's just great. I don't her first time watch. It Did you indoctrinate her? Imagine watching that movie for the first time. Cause some people feel very elitist about that. And yeah. it's like to show someone a classic for the first time is giving them a transformational experience. It's, it's almost like a sacrament. When I sit down with people, it's like, now we're going to watch Texas Chainsaw. And yeah. just, I, I had that once I was doing, I was introing it at a local New York city fest. And I just thought like, Oh, these kids today, like they're not gonna, but like when it was over, there was like some silence. Yeah. That audience and going, what did we just watch. what did we just watch? Yeah. And it's like, oh man, it hit them just in the right way. Texas Chainsaw Massacre still yeah. still got it. And people who see it for the first people who've seen it for the first time, myself included, when I saw it years ago for the first time, I I was like, that's not the movie I thought I was gonna see. Like it was a lot more artistic and beautiful than I was expecting. And it leaves you with this very like raw ending and it's so much more than than the way that the world like wants to poo poo on like the horror genre it's art it's it's visceral it's real it's 100 percent. and i and also that sort of acting as you know is very difficult yes it is so natural to make it feel very naturalistic and documentary style especially the dinner scene that it's so fluid and that they feel like those characters with that kind of it's just and I saw, and I got to interview Toby before he passed on. Yeah. They did the restoration at uh, South by Southwest. And just Jim Seedow's performance, because it was so much clearer, you know, doing the scans. Like, I, you could really pick up the nuance of the acting. And I, I can never get over the acting in Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre. Well, I think that, that the reason why people, why I love, like, even acting in genre that I've gotten to is that 
it really presents an opportunity for the performer to be present because the circumstances that you're given do not allow you to overthink. Like you're just like really in it and it creates, like you said, a naturalistic performance. Like you are actually like running, you are actually like covered in blood, you are like, and, and that feeling just allows the imagination to go wild and it allows you to live presently in these imaginary circumstances. And so what a, what a thrill instead of just a stuffy period drama where like, it's like, okay. You know, but I actually just saw um, last year was the first time I had ever seen Wizard of Oz, which was like, why did it take me so long to see it? Well, I, I would argue that even if people have seen it, they've seen it like on TBS or TNT yeah. and they have not sat down like the, because sometimes that happens. Like you've seen, like I've seen all of the Friday movies, but have I sat down and watched the Friday movies like fully letterboxed and not on VHS? I have not. Yeah. Like I've seen, I've, I've seen Halloween that way and looked at the beautiful photography of it. Yeah. But the idea of like getting a, like a Blu-ray of Wizard of Oz and, ex and I love, by the way, like my, my filmmaking style, like I love that filmmaking style, the artifice, the sets, the painted skies. I was just rewatching Frankenstein, the 1931 movie last night and all the skies are painted and it looks like a set. And it's just, I love the, I love the artifice of fantasy. So watching this movie for the first time, who are your favorite characters? What do you think about the witch who I think is the, one of the greatest villains of all time, her and Darth Vader. I need to hear everything. Tell me. Um, I cried a lot because I saw it as an adult and I saw all like the, the extra layers to it that I think that the only other time that I had seen it before was in the background when I was at the hospital when I was like three and I had actually bit my tongue in half and it was like and I got this scar that you probably can't see and it's under my lip and Harrison Ford has the same one so anyway but I had just associated this film with like this traumatic experience. So I had just never seen it. And when I saw it, like, I agree. The witch is amazing and she's very misunderstood. Um, and my favorite character was the scarecrow. I mean, he's so raw and like vulnerable and like he, and all of them, they have all the things that they want all along, but it takes a journey for them to find it. And it just like, it just hit me in the feels and how like, so much of my like early adulthood was the poppy field, you know, like just dreaming and hoping and thinking, but then you like get active in your life or as a creator and you, you find that you've had the tools all along, you know, and brings me back to, since you said Darth Vader, like Star Wars, like whatever you may think of the newer movies, like I loved the way that Carrie Fisher got to like have Princess Leia say things like, you have what you need. And I, I take that as like a motto for myself and from that film and as a filmmaker, like you have what you need. You just have to, you know, be like you and, and just remember and go like, I know this person, they can do this thing like that you need. Even if you don't have exactly what you need, you may have 35 to 75% of what you need. Yeah. And that is enough because you just need to fill in that other thing. Yeah. And whatever form that 35 or 75% is, you can kind of, if you sit there, figure it out. Like figure yeah. out the rest of the form for your problem. I think as a, as a kid, I was, I was drawing and watching horror movies. I was very introspective. So the first thing that I go to were always the tools inside of me. Though I do remind myself that there's 
you've had it all along. It was always the, the idea that it was always in your backyard. So to me, that's a concept that's more specific than just me, but it was like always there. It was always your crew of friends. It was always in your knowledge base. Yeah. And, and on that note, I wanted to ask you, um, do you have a message that you'd like me to send out to the universe on your behalf? I was, I was, uh, I was, th- I was thinking about this. Um, I'm working on uh, a studio project called uh, Black Mansion Films, okay. which uh, is the sort of brand that I'm keeping my slate under. Yeah. And it's a place for all different sorts of voices, also different types of people. It's kind of like a Midian. It's kind of like a CBGBs. And it's that time in the show when you reach out and you grab everybody up on stage and everybody's singing together. So that's sort of sentiment and that's sort of love and that sort of community and making things together and everybody's voices and everything together is what I want to put out into the world. So I want to put out into the world is that this is for, this is for everyone. And just, it's just that it's for everyone. That's beautiful, Heather. I completely agree with you. I, and that's what I love about the genre. It is the sense of community and that we can only be stronger together. And thank you so much for coming on my show. And you have been a delight as usual. And uh, keep being Heather because, you know, there's so many little Heathers out there that need you. Yes. Thank Bye. you. Bye. This is for everyone.